gotcha. Uh, you got me. Perfect, perfect. All right, so we're just going to start this thing off. Uh, welcome to Unsigned Cast, the podcast about unsigned rappers that never made it and all the crazy stories you never heard. Tonight's nice guest, I got Smooth Black, coming out of Baltimore, Maryland, also in the huh. D.C. area. We're going to oh, talk yeah. about that. So, yeah, uh, so Baltimore, I, I did the pit slice thing in Baltimore, but, you know, I'm not really from Baltimore. I'm from, you know, PG County, which is about an hour away. I got you, man. Right so I, was, I was giving you more street cred. <laughs> no, it. I honestly, that's another thing that I, and we can honestly get right into that because this is uh, kind of all about origin stories and everything like that. So mm-hmm. obviously, you know, as we talked about before we actually started this, you are my first person that I'm talking to that's out of state from where I'm at, which is Detroit area, Michigan. So, you know, congratulations on that. You know, you, you've been my first out of state guest. All right. Um, honor, you know. Absolutely. Hey, absolutely. Absolutely. Glad to have you. Um, so being from that, like from, I guess, an hour away from Baltimore, I don't, do you, let me ask you this first. So do you consider yourself more East coast or more from the South? Like, where is that? Where do you draw the line there? Well, I would say, you know, Maryland, people in Maryland in this area, we definitely don't consider ourselves South. So I would say it's definitely the East coast. I've heard it called, you know, the middle East, you know, <laughs> just okay. things like that, you know, so. I got you. I got you. So going back, like, you know, you are, uh, you were born 84, right? 85. 85. I was, I was close. I was close. Close um, enough. Close enough. So we got a three to four year difference um, in age. So you're about three years older than me. So what is your like earliest, when you, when you think back, like what's your earliest hip hop memory in terms of like, whether it was an artist, whether it was a music video at the time, song on the radio, like, what is your earliest memory of that? My earliest memory, man, it's like the thing about me that's different when it comes to, you know, hip hop, like most cats, you know, they, they kind of grew up and, and, and they had like hip hop all around them when they were kids and they have like these, these early memories. But, you know, I grew up in a more kind of a stricter household, you know, my parents right. were, were pastors and they didn't really let me listen to uh, uh, like hip hop, like that, which is uh, actually that that brings me to that that brings me to I think that brings me to it. Um, so we couldn't watch none of the music videos, like the box and you know MTV, BT, all that stuff. Man, and shout think, out to the box, man. Legend, the box, man. yes, the box, watching, man. watching. Yeah, we used to flip back between VH1, the box, MTV, and BT. It was like 17, 18, 19, and 21. That was like the channels. Absolutely, but, um, man. Yep. So. I would say around 1996, my parents started to become a little bit less strict and they would let us watch, you know, music videos. We couldn't buy like CDs or nothing like that, but we could listen to, you know, stuff on the radio sometimes and watch music videos. And I remember uh, the first music video, she started letting us watch stuff once she caught us watching it, like if we would be watching MTV on the low. But like I okay. was on the on the last channel button, <laughs> and she caught us watching. Um, it was P Diddy, Mo Money, Mo Problems. Oh, and so nice. yeah, like yes, yes. So that that that's one of my first uh, memories. It's not not really super boom bap '90s hip hop, you know, shiny suit hip hop, but you know. Right. No, that's. I mean, and the reality is, uh, you know, that's kind of like it is for me. Like, I mean, I've. You know, about the whole parent thing, I think your parents were definitely stricter than mine in some regard. I was going to ask you about that, too, because I got that vibe. 
you know, obviously don't know yeah. a lot, but I, but I definitely got that vibe that probably more of a stricter household. And so basically it was kind of like, because they already caught you kind of sneaking around listening to it, they kind of made the mm-hmm. decision, you know, if we, if we keep trying to prevent them from it, it's going to probably make you rebel a little bit more kind of yes, thing. Yes, exactly. I exactly. Yeah, that's what it was. I got you. Did they ever do the thing as people who come from, you know, the church community and all that? I know that some people I knew that grew up in a religious household, their parents would try to do a compromise. Like, we don't really like rap, but how about you listen to, like, this Christian rap? Like, was that ever, yes. like, they, yes. okay, I yeah, got you. I, I, I actually did find some good Christian rap around that age when I was in high school that I actually enjoyed. They never really blew up, but, you know, it was, uh, they, they were kind of lyrical, but they were, they were more Christian with it, you know, so. Yeah, yeah Absolutely. Absolutely. No, that's, that's pretty fascinating. Um, so at what point are you deciding that like you want to try getting in the mix? I know that I know you from being a battler. Were you mm-hmm. making music before battling or was it the other way around? Yes, I was making music. Uh, I would say when I was in the Marines, you know, I met this guy, you know, like, like, like one of my fellow Marines and like his name was Craig. And uh, he kind of really put me on to, you know, what real hip hop is, quote unquote, like the purest nineties boom bap hip hop, what makes rap dope and lyrical and stuff like that. So he kinda, right. so so this was around, you know, two thousand six, two thousand seven. And so I'm I'm, I'm listening to you know, D Foil and, you know, Lil Scrappy and all that. And he's like, nah, let me <laughs> he's like, come listen to this old Nas right here. Come listen to this this reasonable doubt, this ready to die. And cause oh, I had man. missed all those because I couldn't buy albums back then. So he right. put me onto that, and he's like, "See, this is dope because he's talking about this, and this line actually means this." Right. And so once I started listening and seeing what these what these lines meant and what these brothers were talking about, that's when I became more intrigued, and I was like, "Yo, I could I could do that. Like like I could write something dope like that." So I started. I, I think I started writing. I probably wrote my first verse when I was about twenty two. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah. And um, yeah, so I, I, I gravitate to more of the old rap and everything. I, I wrote, I started writing verses, you know, downloading old beats. I met this other guy named Intrigue, uh, Intrigue, in, in DC. He had a studio, so I mean, he wasn't in DC; it was in Maryland. But yeah, I, I would drive to his studio and just record my little mixtapes. And that was from about, I would say, let me see, probably about 2007 to 2010. And then like grind time came through, and that's when I started to shift over from you know, writing, because, yeah, like, I, I would make these little mixtapes, and I would hand them out to my friends in college, and stuff yeah. like that, but it, it didn't really catch on, because at that point, that was, like, after hip-hop had shifted from, you know, being lyrical to being about, you know, snapping and dancing and stuff, so I was kind of, I was late to the party, you know? Right, but, right. <laughs> so it wasn't really marketable. It didn't really blow up like I thought, because I was like, wow, I can I can rap just as good as, you know, anybody else so obviously i'm going to get famous you know people are going to appreciate what i'm doing but it didn't you know it wasn't really working out that way you know and so right and that's 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 what's fascinating to me so um because i want to get into that whole like you know that that idea of becoming famous and all that in a second one thing though i'm more curious about is so before you go into the military Mm -hmm. what is what you know again what what is the reason you go into the military? What's the like? Was it always going to be that way? Was were you one of the people who were like post nine eleven? I'm amped up to go to war. Like what kind of what Not all was the? Oh, okay, I got you. Um, I would say a lot of it was in because I went to a school that had a Marine Corps ROTC program, 
and Marine Corps recruiters, they're like, they're like sharks, man. Like, oh, yeah. like, they're like, they're like, they're, they're like used car salesmen, you know, and they yeah. know how to kind of sell you a dream per se, you know, not necessarily saying that they, to- they totally lie to you or anything like that, but they'll kind of paint a picture for you that might not be exactly what you think it is yeah. until, until you get there. Not to say that, you know, I was just totally, you know, bamboozled and, and lied to or anything, but I, you know, I had a vision that wasn't all the way realistic, you know, but, um, yeah, so that, that was, and, and yeah, so a lot of it, there's like, yeah, you know, you join, but we'll give you $25,000 for college. We, you know, you, you're going to be able to travel. You're going to get girls. Are we able to curse on the podcast? <laughs> Damn. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, bro. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. You so, know, yeah, I told went, you, I told you about some other things that we talked about. Yes. yes. It's pretty much a free for all. Yes, yeah, so I was like, yeah, we're gonna, we gonna get some bitches, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna get all that, and, and things are gonna be gonna travel, gonna shoot guns. So yeah, I, I didn't want to, you know, go out and be like this action hero and be jumping out of explosions and you know shooting people and stuff. I, that that was a, that was an attractive thing, and to earn college money at the same time, it's like yeah, it's no brainer, you know. Do you think um, this is getting a little introspective, but it's it's something that interests me because your whole like everything about you is really original in terms of the people that I pretty much come across, especially from the rapping aspect. So obviously you growing mm-hmm. up in a very religious family, mm-hmm. um, you know, probably, you know, there wasn't a lot of that, uh, you know, that craziness going on was, do you think like part of that, like reaching out to the military and that drive of like being able to shoot guns and this, like all this action, like, because that we weren't really around that as a kid, like that was like kind of oh, like, yeah. man, I want to, Definitely. I definitely wanted to get as far away from that, like, restrictive environment as possible. Yeah. Like, at some point, they actually gave me, I don't know if I've told my parents this before, but they gave me a, what they call a dream sheet for my next duty station out of boot camp. They was like, yo, you could be stationed in Virginia or Virginia or Atlanta, which are all, are you there? Yeah, yeah I'm oh, sorry. I thought, I thought, yeah, so it was like Virginia, Virginia, or Atlanta, which is all reasonably close, or... Right. Washington State, and I was like, fuck it. I wanted to go all the way to Washington State so oh, I could nice. be as far away from my parents as possible, you know, as far away from all that stuff, you know. But it's, it's kind of ironic that, you know, I grew up in a very restrictive environment, and in my infinite wisdom, I'm like, yeah, if I want to run away and get freedom, let me go run to the, the most restrictive military service. Right. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, yeah. That's what that's the most what the most disciplined uh, possible exactly. job that you could possibly have. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking in that regard, but you know that's that's what happened. Yeah. No, I know those guys do oversell it though. I remember I had to be like I don't know sixteen, seventeen. I remember one of those guys came up to me and one of my friends, and they're like, mm-hmm. you know, what do you want to be? What do you want to do? And I was like, I'm a rapper. Like, like, oh yeah, <laughs> you come to the military. We got a band. Let's get out. What? <laughs> yeah, bro. They said, like, that's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> <laughs> a band, I, yo! Wow, like the like the drill instructors will have laughed in your face. They're like, "Are you serious? You're gonna be here for four years. If I hear you rapping, I'm gonna haze you." You know, just you know. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I'm sure it would have been all bad. So uh, yeah, it's like like you would have been the rap guy in the platoon. They made they're like, "Hey, hey, hey, look, this is the rap guy right here. He's gonna rap yeah. in the band." They probably would have been laughing even more that I said that I signed up because I thought it would help my rap career. I thought oh, it would have been a Yes, you would have been the laughing stock of the whole, yeah, the whole battalion, yes. <laughs> so, that's pretty funny. 
So obviously, so you start, you kind of start this whole thing while you're in the military. You meet people that are kind of putting you on this whole kind of aspect of rapping and more Mm -hmm. of a bigger depth into hip-hop. Because at that Mm -hmm. point, you really only were listening to it for entertainment, really, the dance and the kind of radio songs. And then you got that deeper look, and that's what got you into writing in the first place. Yes. So are you, at this point, when you are writing and recording, are you completely out of the military at this point? Is there some where you're still stationed somewhere, like? Oh yeah, I was out. Like 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 I would say I wrote um I wrote my first couple of verses when I was in the military, but once I started like going to the studio and everything like that, I was I was a free man at that point, you know, and I was so so I was out and I, I was just, you know, I was working, I was going to school and I would just, you know, on the weekends I would go to the studio, drop my little uh twenty five, fifty dollars an hour, you know, um oh, yeah. as far as as far as in the studio, yeah, drop drop that, record some tracks. And that was that was my thing. Had my rhyme books and everything, and that was uh, that was what it was. So this is back in Maryland at this point when you start recording. Yes, back okay. in Maryland. I got you. Now, now is it hard because obviously you're pretty much starting from scratch in terms of being in the rap scene. So how do you reach? Mm-hmm. How do you connect with people in that scene? Are you going? Because I know that obviously your parents didn't live in. Baltimore or DC are you is the rap scene in Baltimore are you having to go to DC like where are you having to go to kind of be involved in this uh so speaking of Baltimore so what happened was like as a military I uh, stayed with my parents for like three months and then I started going to school in Towson University which is in Baltimore and okay. uh so that's when I really started to get into um the rap scene so like it was it was a lot easier to get into the rap scene in Baltimore in in uh in PG County, so I, I bet yeah. Going, yeah, so so I started going to like uh just going to shows, you know. Um, I start I I met some people and they they let me do kind of my own shows, but you know you sell your tickets and you know you sell like three tickets or something like that and three people your your family and friends come so I can see you, but um yeah 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 so I, yeah I was going to shows doing my own little shows trying to do little uh showcases or whatever, and that's pretty much how I got in the scene of uh, MySpace. I would reach out to people in the area on like my MySpace back then. And um and then yeah, flat Facebook and yeah, so I just kinda networked with people and saw what was you know, what was going on with the local rap scene and that that's how I kinda got connected, which was why once Grind Time came to the area I kinda was plugged in and I kinda knew some people that knew some people, you know. Absolutely. Um, what I was going to ask you, because the battle and I definitely want to get into, but before that, like with your parents and stuff, mm-hmm. when they, did they like, uh, obviously when you first told them that you were rapping or how they found out, how did they react about that? No, it wasn't really, it wasn't really, it wasn't really bad. You know, it wasn't like you would think like, like once I got grown and they weren't, you know, I guess responsible for me anymore. They kind of more so let me go my own way and let me do my own thing. So, I got you. <clears throat> I don't think my mom really ever saw me as as a rapper per se. She didn't really think that was. I thought it was something that I was gonna, you know, go further with and you know be you know a professional rapper. But uh, she was like, I don't really see you as 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 a rapper in that way, you know. But yeah, I mean, I did do some rap songs. I remember I did one song, uh, which is ironic because I've been doing these uh, these posts about my dad. I made a song for my dad once. Um, you know, he he enjoyed it. It was cool. You know. Yeah. So yeah. So 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 it's like I wasn't like um, the rap I was doing. I, it wasn't like I was rapping like too short or plies or something that was just you know. Right. You weren't you weren't pimping bitches and yeah. selling drugs yeah. and. Yeah. I so I wasn't really. Yeah. I, I never really have rapped about selling drugs. 
I rapped about shooting people and stuff like that and other fantastical things, but I never yeah. really rapped about, you know, selling drugs and doing other, you know, really actual stuff like that. I got you. I got you. Um, mm-hmm. So at this point, like, you know, I know you as Smooth Black. So did you go through, because a lot of, you know, a lot of the other rappers that I talked to and including me, um, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of go through that phase where you're trying to figure out what you're going to call yourself rap name wise. For me, <laughs> that you didn't get into it until you were like 22. Was that pretty much, you were like, I'm Smooth Black, this is it, I'm not messing around, or were there a couple different rap names that you had to had to figure out, had to, had to grow through? Smooth Black was really the first thing that I that I went on. Um, so, like, the, the story of that is um, I had another friend in the Marine Corps, uh, his name was Jonathan. He was reading a book, uh, this funny book, uh, it was called Real Ultimate Power, and it was, okay. uh, it was written by a grown man, uh, but from the perspective of an eight-year-old, and he was he was talking about his love for ninjas and how these like and uh, and in the book there was a guy named Mr. Smooth Black who was a lawyer and somehow oh, wow. he got the he got he got the ninjas off when they committed you know ninja crimes and uh, <laughs> so so I related to the guy in the book because he was black and he was a lawyer and at that time I I wanted to be a lawyer so yeah. I kind of I I related to that and I was like you know what that, I'm gonna start calling myself Smooth Black. And that was, uh, that it, it kind of it stuck, you know, that was my name. I got you. I got you. So that's a, that's a perfect segue to, um, to like really, cause what fascinates me is the whole, like, I'm going to be famous thing. Like I went through that mm-hmm. and like, for me, there was, you couldn't tell me anything. Like when I was from, when I was 16 onwards, <laughs> you could not tell me that I was not going to be the biggest rapper in the world. Like there was not a doubt in my mind, nothing. I mean, nothing that you could bring up. Would, mm-hmm. would would and I kind of wish that I maybe had a little bit more doubt because I might have been more conscious about some of the stuff I was mm-hmm. doing. But I was so like, it was like whatever is happening, this is just part of the VH1 behind the music story. Like it was <laughs> like that's how I was. So like how, you know, uh, like how sure were you that it was going to happen essentially when you were uh, like like with me, I would say that that would be a thing where 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 you and me where, where we differ. You know, like with me, I always had a couple of plan B's because I was like, I would like to be famous. That would be great if I could just live off of rap. If I could, that would be, that, that's my choice A. Right. But at the time I was going to school, you know, I was working at, you know, the Department of Justice. So I was like, yeah, if, if these other things don't work, I can always fall back on that. You know, I, I was yeah. like, in my mind, I'm like, you know, more than likely, I'm probably not going to be the one in a million famous rapper, I'll probably end up being, you know, a paralegal or something like that. So I right, never right. really... <laughs> I never really went balls to the wall with it, you know. So, so what? So it didn't really suck as bad, but I didn't make it, you know, per right. se. Because it yeah. was like, I, I, you know, I didn't really. It wasn't something that I just staked my whole life on per se. Yeah, know? no, that's you. You, you made the right decision. <laughs> you were smart <laughs> about it, and like that. But um, yeah. yeah, no. So that's that's always uh, that's always an interesting perspective. Because you know everybody's everybody's kind of different. Even just taking a chance on it, period, is kind of a yeah. crazy thing to begin with. So, oh, yeah, it's, um, you know, it's definitely definitely a wild thing. Um, so, <laughs> at what point? How long is it until you start battling? And is grind time really like the first battle? Um, you know, battle arena essentially, or battle league that you're battling, or was there like a smaller local? league in that area originally oh yeah you're familiar with uh with pit fights right in baltimore i believe so yeah yeah that was that's part of the league where i got a lot of my my uh my most um 
I wouldn't say my biggest battles, but some of my most important battles came from pit fights. But the thing, the way it worked was pit fights was a smaller, you know, local league. It still is. It's been around for, you know, at least 10 years. Yeah. And uh, pit fights were doing, was doing their, their little thing. And um, when grind time was expanding, they said, yo, we're going to come to the DMV. And when they said the DMV, they just went to Washington metropolitan area, which is this okay. lo- local local stuff now, which might not make sense. But geographically, Baltimore is not in the uh, Washington metropolitan area. So the Baltimore people were like, hey, we want to be a part of this. Right. And so, and so they, they, they expanded the league so that Baltimore DMV included, uh, I mean, Grand Time DMV included Baltimore. And so... I kind of, that, that's how I got involved in that. And so what they were doing was they were using um, pit fights as their, as their tryout league. So if you wanted to get on grind time, you would go on pit fights and, and you know, you would test your metal and see if you were worthy of, of getting on grind time. And so I think one of my first battles, yeah, my first battle uh, was through, um, through pit fights. And I lost terribly. Okay. And all that stuff. <laughs> yes. It wasn't that well, wasn't how I was expecting the story to go. It was like it was, it was going. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I, I've taken some bad losses, you know, because it was like the thing is, uh, you probably know, but like it's it's so it, it's like a totally different process, uh, me- committing a song to memory versus committing, you know, an acapella battle oh, yeah. to memory. Oh yeah, whole so whole different. I, I definitely learned that the hard way because I thought I could just you know run through it a couple of times and it would just come out. And yeah, not, you know. <laughs> and that that's what happened there, you know. But um, yeah. So I th- that's how I got into into grind time. I started on pit fights, and so even though I lost that battle, a lot of people saw the potential in you know my writing process, and so they 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 kept going with me, and you know things turned out okay. That's what's up. So let me so pause right there. So we're gonna stop right there. So what gets you? Because at this time, right, you're you know you're in school. Uh, you know, you're going to school for being a lawyer. You already got a, you know, a decent gig, you know, a decent mm-hmm. job at this point. So what makes you, because, you know, we talked about how, like, even trying to become a rapper, like making songs, that, mm-hmm. like, is taking a step into, like, maybe craziness, right? But going right. into battle, like, literally putting yourself on the line to get, like, mm-hmm. possibly humiliated on camera, like, <laughs> what is, like, like it almost, it's like you're, you kind of becoming a glutton for self torture. It seems like some of these things that I'm seeing through your life story. Like, what made That's you like? Funny. What was the thought process of that when you remember before you like got in? Because there's so many rappers that you know, I know that never would get into battle. They would never oh, touch yeah. it. They would never. Um, it was just not not something that they had any interest in doing. So, what made you want to do that? Well, you know, like I used to watch. Um, I think it was like jump off TV and stuff like that. It was like these little like three-minute battles that used to come on uh, YouTube back in the day. And uh, I remember seeing, uh, I think one of the first battles I saw was like Awkward's and Arsenal. Um, so I, I used to watch these battles, you know, and it, it, it looked great. Like even like uh, when Mook battled uh, Young Hot and all that back in that day. Yeah. And so I was confident in my, in my ability, you know, and I was also very competitive because like I wanted to be recognized for being better than other people. And yeah. in right re- in regular rap that wasn't that wasn't the thing. It didn't matter anymore if your verse was better than so and so's. Right. It just mattered, you know, who's was more successful. So yeah. I wanted that that spirit of competition and you know, I was confident in my abilities and I, I thought that was a way to get 
it was, it was a good way to get shine. You know, like people are going to see that. We're going to post it on our page. You're going to get so many thousand views. So I was like, this might be my way of getting, you know, getting my foot in the door, you know? Yeah. Um, no, that's, that makes a lot of sense too. And I'm sure as somebody who really was inspired to get into rap because of the writing, because of the thoughtfulness that went into some of the like nineties mm-hmm. rap, you know, obviously mm-hmm. battling, battling is you're going to have more bars and more thought out you know, exactly. lines than anything any other form of hip-hop so that does make a lot of sense yeah. and so and then like a lot of times if you look at old 90s rap a lot of it is just battle raps to a beat like if you listen to you know wu-tang triumph like all that stuff, it's just it's mostly battling so I was, so my style of rapping i was already basically battling people who didn't exist so it's like why not why not go put these against somebody in real life you know yeah no absolutely absolutely and that that does make a lot of sense. So you, you end up going for it and you're, you know, trying out and obviously in the beginning, you know, you're taking some L's, mm-hmm. you're uh, learning, learning some hard lessons, obviously. Yeah. At what yeah. point are you um, starting to turn things around and like, you know, get it, kind of get it together? And what is causing that? Uh, let me see. It, it, it was a number of things. Cause once I choked in my first battle a couple of times, my mind just went blank. That kind of, uh, it kind of gave me this like like this this mental kind of block where I would always have the what if in my mind like what if I get up there and my mind blanks out yeah like, that became like <laughs> I used to have like nightmares in my sleep about you know getting getting to a battle and not remembering anything that's oh, how much man. I worried about it <laughs> oh man no but, that's that's crazy I did that's yeah. crazy yeah yeah but then like so once I got over that like phobia. And I learned, you know, that even in battle rap, you know, performance and presentation is important. So I learned how to, you know, put more performance in what I was doing and more presentation and not just go with straight bars. And that's yeah. when, you know, I started to get some more uh, some more attention and some more wins, basically, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, what you said, too, about the fear of choking, especially after you choke, because choking mm-hmm. is the worst, right? Like, you would yeah. rather lose a battle badly but have remembered all your lines then maybe yeah. have like a like an edgy battle but you know have a choke like like a choke is I, i've had that a couple times and it's just like it's the worst like you just oh, feel yeah. like like it's just because how do you it's so hard to recover bring things back from there mm-hmm. and uh and i remember you know my battle league that i came from which was bar wars in michigan okay um you know, there was a dude, I'm not going to say his name. We talked about him on the last podcast, but I don't want to hold a dude like that because he's, he's a nice human being. But this yeah. this poor man could not could not, not choke. Like, he had he did oh, not yeah. have the ability. It was like choking was a superpower. Like every, <laughs> bat, every, every league has someone like that. Every, like, yeah. every league from URL all the way down to every league, there's always some guy who can't ever get it together. Yeah. You know? So... Yeah, uh, he just he just became legendary in his own right. But yeah, it's like cause yeah, and I, I honestly thought about that. Like, man, if I choked my first battle and then maybe my <laughs> second battle, like it would be like I I would keep having that nervous thought, and you let your brain like your brain can just destroy you if you like get yes. get in your own head too much. Like it's uh, yes. it is wild. So so what are some of the like you know what would you say was like the highest point of battling? Mm-hmm. Like where you were like man like. Because, well, let me ask you this before I ask you that. Because mm-hmm. you're still, while you're battling, are you still making music or are you stop, did you stop making music and are you full, like, putting all your energy into battling at this point? 
I would say I was probably putting about 80% of my energy into battling, and then I would kind of do some music when I had time because I had I had a more of a bigger audience now. People wanted to hear what my album would sound like, you know. So right. I did still go do some music, but it was definitely in in the backseat, you know. I got you. So your biggest the, the biggest thing that you became notorious for or known for really was the battling more than the music. Is that a fair assessment at that point in time yes yes so with that being said what is like if you think of like like for example and obviously our stories are different in the sense Mm -hmm. that you know i was going full throttle into like recording music stuff i didn't really get into battling till like i would say the last years of my like uh you know rap kind of i guess if you want to call it rap career just like Mm -hmm. you know uh you know exploring that whole avenue so for me like my highlight was like a time where I thought like, oh, this is 100% going to be it. Like we were recording um, with Eminem's producer. His name's Louis Resto. He has a house nice. in Royal Oak, which is I've um, seen that name. Yeah, which is uh, you know he lived, which is crazy. Which is a whole another weird thing. My mom, you know, she's living on Section Eight in this apartment, mm-hmm. and then down the street is Louis Resto. You know, wow. crazy successful millionaire, all this kind of stuff. Like two different wow. worlds on the same street. Like it was, it was insane. Um, but anyway, so his son, Kyle went to, went to high school with the dude I was rapping with at the time. Okay. And, uh, we put an album out and his son, Kyle heard him. He's like, man, I really want to work with you guys. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so he's like, come over and we'll record. Now Kyle is, you know, cause it sounds like, oh, that's really nice of him. And Kyle's a cool dude. Like, no, you know, I'm not bashing Kyle at all, but Kyle was trying to learn how to produce and make beats. So he, we kind of were guinea pigs towards him, um, which was, again, all cool. Like, it was an amazing experience. But long story short, so we're literally in this, I mean, multi-million dollar studio. There's soundboards that cost more than some people's houses in here. I mean, this thing is, we're talking, we're just crazy. Um, and, you know, recording and bringing out a microphone, like, man, like, exhibit recorded on this 50 Cent, Eminem, like, you know, like, wow. all this stuff. And, and I'm 19 years old, right? So you can, so I'm telling you, I told you how I was when I was 16. Yeah. Now my, like, some of this stuff is starting to feed my ego, and you cannot oh, yeah. tell me nothing. Like, I, I remember I my bet. dad being like, you know, I'm 19, like, man, you got to start figuring out what you want to do. And I'm, like, looking at him like, he's crazy. Does this guy <laughs> not know what I'm doing? Like, like, <laughs> like chin up, like, like, I'm looking at him like he's, like, uh, you know, like, like I'm, I'm showing up in a limousine and a tuxedo everywhere I go, and, like, like, who, who is this? Who, who is, get out of here. Get out of here. Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's where I was with my head. And, um, you know, so I'm thinking, like, 100%, like, this is it. Like, we're about to, you know, be on. We're about to make it and everything like that. And obviously, like, that did not end up happening. But so, and I know my story, that's more of a rare situation than most people. Oh, yeah. but, but what is your moment where you were, like, whether it was maybe didn't have to be, like, I'm going to be a global phenomenon, but even mm-hmm. if it was, like, I'm about to, like, be really blow up kind of with this battle thing or whatever. Oh, yeah. What was, like, oh, the yeah. big highlight for that for you? I would say, you know, there was a battle that I did because I, I had a really bad loss versus this guy named Heron, choked up and all that stuff. And then, um, you know, so people was kind of writing me off. And I was like, nah, I want to battle murder. I don't know if you saw that battle. It's this big, huge guy. He's like six foot tall, 250 pounds. And he's really aggressive and lyrical. So everybody thought I was going to get destroyed. And so, but I came in there and I had everything wired together and I was, we had a, we had a great battle. Most people say I won, it was, but it was a great back and forth. 
You yeah. know, so I was like, I was like, all right, I finally got this. Everything's clicking now. And then I got, um, I battled a guy named PT on Grind Time, and I think we we were the main event. And uh, so I was doing good. I had my strides. Like Grind Time was doing well. I was starting to get views. I was starting to become one of the top guys in the region at that point. So I was like, all I gotta do is continue doing what I'm doing. And you know, yeah, I'm gonna be out there battling hollow with somebody, you know what I'm saying? Battling the right. and good stuff, you know? <laughs> and coincidentally, that was, um, I battled PT and I was supposed to have something else lined up, but that was right around the time, grind time, it was starting to crash, basically. Oh, so I man. think, yes, grind time basically disintegrated right as I was trying, right as I was moving up and, you know, supposed to be oh. one of those guys. Yes, yes. And um, so I was able to continue my career after that. You know, just I, I, I stayed working with, with Piss Fights, and I was able to still get some good battles with them and have some great moments. But it wasn't on, like, more of a national level as it was on grind time. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, That that that's kind of where that went, basically, you know. Yeah, man. And I got to tell you, too, man, grind time, out of all the battle leagues, when I was started getting into it, like, as a fan, I'm not talking about as a battler, Mm-hmm. Grind time was what I wanted to be on. Like it was my dream to be on grind time, man. Like I was like, wow. I was like, man, like URL is like URL has like too much of a vibe over here. King of the dot is too much on the other side of the spectrum. And then mm-hmm. like grind time kind of meshes the bo- the best of both worlds better than any of them could do. It just like you could oh, yeah. have a street battler and a nerdy battler battle each other, and it wouldn't be weird. Like it would just yeah, it would just work. Um, yeah, grind grind time was number like people forget like grind time was number one for for a minute like URL was behind grind time trying to catch up which is yeah. unfathomable these days but yeah. yeah like like that's that's what it was and then they destroyed themselves and uh, did you um speaking of the URL thing and all that and like grind time and like obviously you know watching some of your battles and stuff I feel like mm-hmm. you definitely were a better fit for grind time but obviously mm-hmm. like URL even if it was lagging behind them a little bit it's still that's the place where people that, – that's, like – it's kind of like 90s rap, right? There's, like yes. – you got the mainstream rap, and then you have the rap for – it's, it's kind of like there's people who drink beer, and there's people who know about fine wine, aged mm-hmm. aged whiskeys, all this kind of stuff. URL is, like, the – it's, like, the, the battle connoisseurs battle rap. Like, this is, like hmm. – you know, that's, that's where it's at. So do you feel – were you trying to get on there at all, or were you, like, kind of more focused um, on the grind time kind of arena and that kind of style of battle rap more? When grind time was number one, like, I mean, I guess I probably would have gone to URL maybe, but it wasn't really a concern, you know, yeah. but once, but once grind time failed and, you know, URL took their place, it was like, no, this is what I want. I want to be on, on smack, you know, and like that was, uh, so I think if I had stuck with it, you know, all this time that I haven't been rapping since like 2014, I probably would at least, you know, gotten a little proven ground or something by then, but, you know, was what it was absolutely did you feel because i know that um you know i have and that's pretty that's how we know each other really is because of battle rap so mm-hmm. you know i know i have people from all over the country whether it's california florida uh, obviously mm-hmm. you on the you know you in maryland people from new york all you know all around the country from battle rap which is dope that's one thing about battle rap that i will say that for whatever reason rappers who like record music and perform it they could never mm-hmm. network that. The network of battle rap is better than anything I've ever seen in any type of music genre, entertainment genre. It's like the fact yeah. that, you know, we know each other and there's so many people that we know across the country because mm-hmm. of it. I mean, that's it, that was just amazing. 
But I know a lot of people from like the, the southeast when grind time went away, it mm. seemed like you guys didn't really have that bigger platform anymore. Like obviously at that point it was either URL or King of the Dot. People in the north yeah. like me, you know, King of the, like Canada is like thirty minutes away. Like I could get to, I could get <laughs> to win. Like I could I could swim across the Detroit River if I want to, you know, and get there. <laughs> um, but uh, so we had we had there was a lot of Detroit battlers that went to King of the Dot. I did a King of the Dot. Uh, you know, prove yourself and a few other people okay. from here did. And then, uh, you know, obviously they, they stayed in contact with LA a lot. So mm-hmm. grind time West coast was fine, but grind time, you know, the Bay area and probably the East coast, which is kind of what you, you were kind of under the East coast umbrella, weren't you with like pumpkin. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Grind, no, but was, yeah. So grind time East coast was there. Like, yeah, the grind is like, they were dope, but yeah, grind time DMV was a separate, uh, a separate entity. Okay, yeah. yeah, you did you did say that. And that means yeah. so because this was something else I wanted to ask you. So DMV that stands for what again? It stands for so on paper it stands for DC, Maryland, and Virginia, but okay. it's really about like there's an area, there's a metropolitan area which encompasses part of the whole DC as well as part of uh, part of Maryland and part of Virginia, like Northern Virginia and Southern Maryland. And so that's the area. So it's basically the outskirts of Washington, D.C. is what the DMV is, you know. And uh, Baltimore you. is further up north. And so it, it's kind of separate, you know, like, like, like a lot of times D.C. dudes and uh, P.G. County dudes or, or Baltimore guys, they, they don't like each other because we're, uh, we're seen as separate type of entities. Like, yeah, because, yeah, Baltimore is its own, its own thing. Like if you say Baltimore, people know where that is. But if you say, you know, PG County, uh, or if you say, you know, Alexandria, nobody knows where that is. So you have to kind of, so, so all those little small suburbs kind of, you know, melded together. And so you can say DMV and people kind of, you know, they get an idea of yeah. where you're from. And that whole area. And one thing, cause this is one thing that interests me because every area obviously has its subcultures, regardless of hip hop, just period. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people that grow up, it seems like whether it's Virginia, Maryland, um, you know, obviously D.C. itself, uh, you know, it's kind of like here, like in the Midwest or especially Detroit area, if you're going to, you know, you grow up, you get a job, there's a huge chance that that job's going to be working for the big three, the auto industry in some capacity uh-huh. for the most part. With you guys, there's a big chance it's kind of like you're going to be working for the government. That's like the kind of yeah. industry there. Yeah. Um, so that's that's got to be a crazy that itself is just crazy for me to wrap my head around and like being <laughs> as close to like the White House and all these people that are making these big decisions that impact the rest of us. But for you, is that always kind of normal or is that surreal ever? Like especially you being someone who now has a job that you like you do, is this ever surreal or is this just you've been around this your whole life so it's just yeah, normal? I've been, I've been around it so much. Like I like I was looking at you know. Uh, the protests when they were like in Washington D.C., like right across from the White House, and I yeah. wasn't even looking at like like I was showing on the news, and they were showing the White House and these other buildings. I wasn't even looking at the White House because I I walked past the White House so much that it's just like almost a regular place now. I was looking yeah. at some of the other buildings in the background, like oh yeah, I've been on that street, I've seen that, I've seen that coffee shop, you know. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it's, it's kind of just normal, you know. I've, I've been around. I've been in D.C. my whole, the D.C. area, you know, my whole life. So, you know, I, and I work in D.C., so I'm always around, like, the White House in some capacity. So, you know, it's, it's kind of a normal thing, you know. Absolutely. What yeah, is... like, like, like when I posted that picture of me and, like, uh, what was it? What, what building was that in? I was in uh, the Capitol or something like that. Like, it wasn't even, like, a big deal to me because, I mean, I, I've been around there so much. 
But it was yeah. like, what, you're, you're, you're in the Capitol? You're in Congress? You know, yeah. you know, you know it, it's here, you know. Yeah, no, it's it's like it's just a regular. It's like going to the going to the mall or something for you. It's like, yeah, almost. <laughs> it's, it's like it's like right there. Yeah, that is that is pretty wild. Um, so like so Baltimore, because you said Baltimore is north of DC, right? Yes. What is the time frame? Like, if I'm traveling from DC to Baltimore, or vice versa, what 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 is the time frame of travel? That there's I'm no at? traffic. It's probably going to take you about forty five minutes. You know, if okay. regular traffic. Yeah, so it's probably about, it's about an hour away if you and you'll be in Baltimore City. You know, so it's 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 it, it, it's up there. You know, different culture. I got you. Yeah, that's that is wild. So so it's almost like because again, that's because DC is kind of it's not really in a state, right? It's its own thing. It's not. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it doesn't really yeah. belong to Virginia. It doesn't really belong to Maryland. It's a yeah. uh, district. Yeah, yeah, that is that is a wild thing. Because like time frame wise, it's like for Detroit to Pontiac is really a you know forty five minute drive uh, or something like that. So it's um, what about what about Highland Park? Highland Park is within. So this is another thing we could talk about. This will be interesting about the different areas mm-hmm. we grew up in. So Highland Park technically is basically a part of Detroit. So if you go, I'll kind of take you through a journey, right? So okay, I'm north of Eight Mile. I'm. Uh, I'm east of Woodward. I'm a few miles east of Woodward. So Woodward is kind of like the guiding line that takes you everywhere. It's like the it's like the heart that okay. really it leads you through Michigan. It, you could take Woodward literally from Detroit all the way up to Pontiac. So Woodward is we'll, we'll use Woodward as like the reference point. So let's say I go to uh, I'm on 14 miles because you know eight mile and everybody knows eight mile. You know, they know eight so. mile. <laughs> I I actually thought that was the that would have been the road that you know the the guiding light road you know the eight mile and nine mile and ten mile and all that stuff. But, yeah, yeah. Well, it is like that. It makes things easy for going north and south. But there are see what gets tricky though is like north of me is 15 mile, but they don't call it 15 mile. They call it maple or you know so it'll change names depending where you're at and then 16 mile is either metro parkway or it's big beaver which is which is big beaver exit 69 off the highway which is pretty funny um so that's uh that's that's a little fun michigan back that is funny (laughs) yeah but um but anyway so like if i if i go west to woodward which will be a few miles i take woodward down when i cross eight mile i'm hitting highland park first so highland park will be right south of eight mile but technically it's they it has the same area code as detroit it's like a sub area of detroit technically okay. its own city has its own police department um huh. and kind of like hamtramck you may have heard about hamtramck too hamtramck okay. is on is 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 uh on the opposite side but both yes. very similar like cities within detroit basically that have their own okay. jurisdictions um, highland park because i remember like on uh on smack you know i remember when when miles an X Factor would come out, they wouldn't necessarily say Detroit. It would say it's from Highland Park, Michigan. Yeah, and that's what makes – that's what that's what's interesting about this area because – and that is true. Like, if you're in Highland Park because it's its own jurisdiction and technically its own sub-area, it's going to say Highland Park on your driver's license or it's going to say Hamtramck on your driver's license if you're from there. Um, and that's what's really interesting about Detroit is, like, versus other cities. Because I, like, been to L.A., been to Chicago, you know, and I know New York – like those big cities, they don't draw the line so much. They don't make it so distinct. So like if you're in LA, like I lived in a place called Mar Vista, but it would say it would say Los Angeles on my driver's license, and like everybody's from LA, and like you could be in Hollywood and you're from LA, and like 
pretty – I mean, they don't – I mean, the line goes pretty far out. So it's like they don't have these distinct lines. And same thing with Chicago. You can be in, like, the suburbs around Chicago and you're from Chicago. And New York is kind of like that a little bit too. So it's weird, like, with us, we do, like, in the Detroit area, it's very distinct. Like, you know, you're from Detroit, you're not from Detroit. You're from this – this is, like, the city you're from. Like, I'm from Highland Park. Like, those lines are very distinct. And like you were kind of, when you were talking about like you were like right in the beginning of the of the this this call, you were like I'm not from Baltimore, I'm from PG County. I know obviously an hour that's that's kind of far, so I, I hear you. But it's, it seems like it's kind of like that there too. It seems like you're people are a lot more careful there about where they say that they're from, and they're more conscious of those borders than maybe places oh, yeah. like New York, places like Chicago, places like LA. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, if you if you talk to a Baltimore guy and you say, "Oh yeah, you're from DC or you're from PG," he's a hundred percent going to correct you and be like, "Nah, nah, shorty, I'm from Baltimore." <laughs> like, <laughs> like, <every time. laughs> they don't they don't call it B more anymore. No, it's it's it, 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 it's Baltimore. You know, you can't say the L. You're Baltimore. You know? Baltimore, Baltimore, Baltimore. Yeah, yeah. I think only people <laughs> only people that are not from yeah. If you say B more, they know you're not from Baltimore. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like saying you're from Eight Mile. <laughs> right. You <laughs> know. I think people know. Yeah. That's that's funny. <laughs> yeah, man. That is. That is that is definitely wild. So, mm-hmm. you know, going back to like the battle rap and stuff like that, you talked about like the highs and stuff. And as you are excelling through uh, battle rap, grind time is starting to kind of crumble around you. Mm-hmm. Do you remember like did somebody one day just break the news to you and say, "Hey, grind time is not going to be it"? Because I wasn't inside grind time at all. Like I was completely from the outside. So, okay. how did this like? Because you were somewhat inside of it. Mm-hmm. Did like how did how did this all like from how you heard it? How did things? And again, I don't I don't know if, I don't know if you know any of these people personally where you care about putting business out there, but I'm just kind of curious how things like from the inside were told that how things were going down because I always it always interested me. It was more like a like a social media thing. Like like everybody knew that you know Direct and Mad Ills and I think Cap Callis like those were like the the big three. You know, yeah. World War technology. I mean terminology. And uh, yeah. like they, they were like the big three when it came to grind time. And so when we would go on social media and we would see all these rumors about them beefing and we would see them saying a little slick stuff about each other, like that, we, we kind of saw the, the writing on the wall per se. Like nobody really came out and said grind time is over, but it was just we kept we kept saw those guys those guys that couldn't get along and the events uh, they kept having like disarray to them and stuff like that. I gotcha. There's no more events just came up, you know, and like 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 the the other leagues just kind of took their piece, like like King of the Dot just started getting bigger and bigger, and you didn't really hear anything about you know grind time anymore. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, it kind of we kind of just looked up and was like, oh well, I guess this is uh this is what's going on. Yeah, so it wasn't like so much one day there was just a an announcement like, hey, this you know grind time's done. It was just more yeah. like it stopped happening. It was just like yeah, it was like one one singular day, you know. And it's right. kind of like one day we're gonna wake up and we're gonna be like, yo, Jay Z's never gonna put out another album. And it's like right. he's not gonna say it. It's just gonna be, you know, it's Actually, like five years from now. They're gonna be like, I guess uh, that was the one. I guess uh, four forty four was the last one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that is that is that is definitely wild. Um, yeah. So, what was the last? like grind time like event that you remember being a part of that was the dnb or whatever i think it was that pt battle uh battle of the guy named pt it was a great battle i, I believe i was on top of the card 
you know, so I kind of made it to the top. Like, like once you get to the point where you're on top of the card in like local yeah. battles, then it's like you're you're the man in that in, yeah. in, in that region. And, and then the next goal is to you know I want to be on the top of the card on in another league, you know, or, or in another region. So people they're calling me to come headline their card, and uh, so so I was getting ready to move to that next level, and it was like there there was no more next level. But yeah, that- PT, with that, I know that you were doing some, uh, uh, you were doing some the the pit. Uh, what is it called again? The pit fights. Pit fights. That's what it is. You're doing you're yeah. doing some of that. So mm-hmm. do you, at some point, are you like, do you feel like, oh man, you know, I don't have that grind time platform. The pit fights aren't gonna take me to where I want to go. Like, what at what point do you did things like phase out for you, or was there a definitive moment where you stopped that? After Grind Time died, you know, it was like uh, a lot of the other leagues kind of spilled in the vacuum. So Pit Fights did get bigger to an extent. It didn't get big to the point that Grind Time was, but it was still big enough where, you know, I could make some noise. People would recognize me locally and stuff like that. And at the end of the day, I still, recognition was one of my big things. Even if I wasn't famous, I could still be recognized for being, you know, one of the best battlers in this area. So, you know, I... I was good, and, and and I knew that, you know, uh, Pit Fights could still be an avenue that I could use to get my name up to maybe get on a Smack Battle or something like that. So yeah. I kept I kept rapping on Pit Fights. You know, I became, like, one of the one of the better guys on Pit Fights. Shout out to Pit Fights. It was, yeah, it shout was out a to great Pit league. Fight. It was definitely, like, uh, it was definitely a smaller, more brotherhood type of vibe there, you know, and um, it was it was cool. And I, so I was rapping there and I was doing, uh, I was doing my thing there. Everything was cool. And um, I would say what really ended it was I was, um, my career, you know, my other, my, my regular day job, you know, it, it started to take off more and I started to make more money doing that. And I was like, man, like it was hard to get paid for, uh, for a battle, you know, like there was some yeah. where I can go and I can get like maybe $200 for a battle. But I was at the point of my career where that wasn't really that much money for my time. So yeah. I was like, I was like, I could spend two weeks writing for this guy here and I actually make less money this week. Or I could, you know, go do, just stay at work and, you know, not have to memorize eight minutes of material in my head and say it perfectly. <laughs> Because oh, yeah. it's kind of it's it's kind of hard work when you got a job. It's like you're driving to work and you're memorizing your bars, and then you get home, you're writing, you're writing bars for this guy, and then you still got to take care of all your responsibilities, and it, it, it can be a uh, nerve wracking, you know. So when you're not getting paid for it, when like at this point, I've probably been rapping for, uh, battle rapping for a good, you know, four, five, six years, and when people you know, don't even want to give you gas money, it's like, eh, I think I might yeah. just. <laughs> Right. Go do something else, you know, and, and that's kind of how, you know, it basically kind of kind of phased out. You know, I just kind of started getting older and, you know, just started looking at being more of a professional and it's kind of backed away from it, you know. Yeah. Now, was do you think part of it, obviously, like the the time that it takes, because you talk about two weeks, dude, yeah. I would have to, like, for me, I would need a month. I, I need a month. <laughs> and these are when battles, again, so me and you probably, like, so I started battle rapping like in that kind of scene, 2012 through basically like you know 2014 basically. So those were my years. Okay. So where are you in two, 2012? Have you already stopped or 
2012, I think I was, yeah, like, um, I was still rapping at that point. I think I stopped around 2014, 2015. Okay, so we probably stopped uh, fairly around the same time. Now, um, yeah, so, because, again, back then, like, like the rounds that I'd be rapping maybe, like, maybe two minutes, like, uh, you know, a round or something. Mm-hmm. Like and I, I would need a month. I, I that seriously need a month. There would be some people I, I know knew about that were writing for multiple people at the same time. Like I could never oh, yeah. do that. So yeah, yeah I mean like, the amount of time. Like and I think a lot of people don't understand that. And mm-hmm. you know this is something that you're gonna spend, you know, two weeks or a month practicing, mm-hmm. rehearsing, mm-hmm. and then you only get one time to do it. It's not like a song. Yeah where you can perform this thing a million times, you know, until <laughs> till you're 80 years old. Like this is, yeah, right. This is one and this is one and done. There is no, you know, you have to make this as perfect as possible. Perfect. And uh, yeah, I mean, it is one of those things that the amount of work that goes into it um, versus the reward is, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's definitely a labor of love, like more, even more yeah. than music. I feel like music, is like you know, it's not as nerve wracking. There's not as much like you could kind of be isolated um, yeah. a little bit with music, where you know you're kind of doing your own thing, and you know kind of can be more experimental, and you have you have some time to work with. Um, but yeah, having that having that battle constraint is such a weird thing. Because yeah. you know the last person I had on here, Keith Urban, he battled in Bar Wars as well, and okay. you know we talked about it. And it's like you do have that competitive edge in the fact that it's like a sport. But unlike a sport, you don't want the other person to do like terrible where all they do is choke because then the then the battle's <laughs> not going to have replay value. So nice. you got, you want really both people to have as good of uh, rounds as possible. So you have that replay value so you can get those views. So you can be called a classic, and it is interesting because it's like a team effort, it's like a collaboration. But you're like you know trying to defeat the other person at the same time. So that's uh, mm-hmm. That is a really interesting thing. Now, where are you? So I asked him this. I wonder your thoughts. So obviously, okay. Grind Time was still doing Judge Battles. I'm probably sure through when you were battling, they were doing Judge Battles. And obviously, uh-huh. Judge Battles became uncool, right? When when the Smash <laughs> URL culture, because even though King of the Dot became very popular, I feel like URL became you know mega popular as well. And the culture of URL of not judging battles that took over the whole and the whole okay. game of that. So. Oh, yeah. Where are you on that? Do you feel like did you did you like having battle judge because there was a definitive winner or loser? Where were you at on that like that kind of vibe? I like I like judging because I mean like I was saying before I'm a, I'm a very competitive guy so you know I want to be able to walk away and say I won the judges said I won and you yeah. lost, you know like there were times I bet money on on these battles there was a good last there's at least probably three or four of them that's my tape that I bet money on. And I think I lost a good more of them betting money than I than I won. But yeah. I still I still like, you know, the aspect of yeah, let's put some money up, you know, let's let's have some skin in the game. And yeah. um yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, no, and those yeah. bad, if you're if you're if you're betting, there has to be there has to be judges. And uh, oh, but yeah. did you ever feel like this? Because this was a good point uh T Furbin brought up was like depending on where you were at, like what battle you were on or what area, whatever the case was, a lot of times mm-hmm. the judges were like kind of biased to that area or like Definitely. maybe biased to the person that you're battling against. So it's, oh, uh, yeah. that's a, always I, tough. Yeah, I remember, yeah, I went to Baltimore to battle a guy for money 
And you know, we, yeah, we battled like right in front of all of his people. And I'm sitting there wondering why nobody's cheering for me, you know, and it, yeah, it was, uh, I basically battled in his backyard almost. Oh, and wow, I drove, yeah. I drove an hour. Yeah. He was from Baltimore. He had all the Baltimore people there. I think I might've had like three or four guys with me. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so he definitely, uh, definitely ended up losing my money on that one. But, you know, it's like, I definitely, I, I still had that, um, that competitive spirit, you know, so I was able to, I went to, I battled one guy in upstate New York. Um, that battle got a lot of views too. The guy said the N word to me in the battle. If you want to go check that out, it's a uh, smooth black versus collision. But yeah, I Does battled him. Does that have with the fitted hat and he's wearing like a mink? A mink? And I don't know. That must I don't know different. if it was a mink. He had some, the guy, the battle, one of the battles I'm thinking of where it was like, uh, uh, you said some pretty, uh, pretty hardcore stuff. Oh yeah. I don't know yeah. If, we were both racist in the battle. <laughs> Oh, is that okay? Yeah, is that was oh, yeah. that the battle? Yeah, yeah, it was definitely okay. the, uh, the 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 racist battle. But um, I mean, it was different though. It's like it's like see people talk about white privilege. It's like I had to work hard and put together all of these like uh, creatively racist bars for him, and yeah. all he had all he had to do was say one word, and it just counteracted everything else in the whole battle. So it's like, how about that? How, like, so it's like, how are you going to sit here and tell me that? What I said was as bad as what you said, but all you had to say was one word. I had to right. craft a whole round for you, you know. Yeah, yeah. Talk about talk about something that would never happen today. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that he would have got can't super. <laughs> yeah. No, everything that would have that would have shut the, the whole the club that was in would have got shut down. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the person who owned the club, whoever gave him the liquor license. Yeah, every, yeah. everybody's getting <laughs> everybody in the yeah. video in the background they all got oh yeah the, ca- the cameraman's <laughs> wife loses her job yeah <laughs> yeah, that yeah. Is. yeah 2012 is a different uh a, a different world i guess yeah now about that though so with you like you've seen you obviously obviously have thick skin i mean with everything <laughs> that we've talked about so you like the racial stuff and like all that stuff, like that's never gotten to you in any type of way, really. It seems like it's at least on a personal yeah. level. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's like you know, if you're a battle rapper, people are going to say stuff that's directly about you. Like people yeah. said stuff about my actual mom. They said my mom's name in the battle. They've threatened my children, my child. You know, yeah. stuff about me. They said, "Oh, you did this. This is who you are, and this is why you suck." You know, yeah. so that 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 personal stuff offends me more than someone just making fun of the this huge racial group that I belong to. You know, it's right? Like, it's like if you make if you if you make fun of something that's specifically about me, I find that more hurtful because that's personal versus you know, oh, you're black. And I was, okay, so are forty million other people in this, in this country. You know, okay. Oh yeah, you for know. sure. Yeah, it's not a. It's well, I honestly, I'm kind of. I'm trying. To, I'm gonna have to go back and watch that battle because I'm trying to figure out how he thought that that would be a a good strategy. Acceptable. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. He, he he wasn't a very thoughtful person. This will get know. this will get him on my side. <laughs> oh yeah, because we were in uh, we were in upstate New York, you know, and like yeah, it was it was mostly white people there. He wasn't down uh, in like he wasn't in D.C. You know, like if he was in D.C. Baltimore, I wouldn't have to do anything. Like the battle would have been over and the crowd would have beat his ass. And yeah, that <laughs> right. Yeah, that, that would have been it, you know. Yeah. Now, does that? Because again, obviously, perspective is different for everybody. You depend on your life and everything like that. So, like mm-hmm. with me, obviously, I don't have the 
the racial differences or anything like that. But one thing that did drive me crazy, like, you know, is when I, when I did start getting into battling and mm-hmm. like, like uh, the league that I was battling in Bar Wars, which again, dope organization, they, they, you know, had stuff very well put together. But mm-hmm. a lot of the people there that were in it were like these rich kids from like a super wealthy neighborhood. Like that drove me crazy. Like it just, it just <laughs> bugged me so bad. Like, but was it ever like that for you or you just like, were like, whatever, like, I, I don't care, you know, who it is, what they're saying. Like, like, like me, I see, I feel like I had this huge chip on my shoulder for like ever. Um, mm-hmm. But it doesn't seem like maybe that was the case for you. It seemed like you were kind of like had like a more of a happy go lucky or just like it's whatever kind of thing. Yeah, I was saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I was kind of a happy, happy go lucky type of type of guy, you know. Yeah. So yeah, that doesn't have any. Yeah, and I think a lot of that, you know, a lot of that in a way kind of uh, worked against me to some extent because when like when you're battling in a more street environment. You know, like the same way earlier in the conversation, you said, yeah, I kind of picked up the vibe from you that you grew up in a a, 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 a nice, wholesome, strict home. You right. Know? So people, <laughs> people can pick up that vibe, you know, which is, I don't know what vibe I put off, but people just kind of get that vibe about me. So yeah. when you're in a street environment, you're in Baltimore City, and, you know, you got a guy that's really, that really actually does these things, that really actually pulls capers and robs people and stabs people, and he's talking about his real life. And then you got me, I'm, I'm rapping about, you know, the same type of stuff he's rapping about, but the authenticity isn't there. You yeah. know, that definitely worked against me in a lot of ways, you know, but that's did like, you, uh, did you, and again, we're, I, I don't want to get, I, we don't got to get like too deep with it, but just, you know, cause I, I'm a very curious person. That's part of the reason okay. why I do this in the first place. Okay. So obviously like when you're getting into that that's really you're more dealing with rappers and stuff more in the battle rap arena probably more on a face-to-face level than you ever were when you were just performing music right definitely and then dealing with these dudes who are real street dudes and stuff like that is it hard like being you know obviously a black dude growing up in the suburbs and then like you know is it are you dealing with you know things like with white people that maybe like is there like what are what kind of things you feel like you had to deal with that weren't like, um, you know, obviously like you got dudes that kind of grow up in an inner city and uh-huh. maybe you're, maybe you're more around people that you feel like, like I, did you ever have that? Like the, I, I don't know if you, like I would call it like I an did. identity crisis. Identity like, crisis. That, that, yeah. that was actually, yeah, I was thinking that term exactly while you were talking. Yeah. It's like, I think that I would think that a good majority of, of black kids that grow up in, you know, not poor environments, you know, say you got two parents, your parents do okay, or maybe your parents even do well, you know, you kind of go through that identity crisis because when you look at the media and the larger American culture, they're telling you that this is who you're supposed to be as a black man. You know, you're supposed to be straight from the gutter. You're supposed to be aggressive. You're supposed to, you know, get out the mud. And it's like, that's not really my story. So it's like society kind of pushes middle-class black people in in that direction and a lot of times we we kind of overcompensate and try to try more so to fit in and somewhere where we may not even need to be you know yeah yeah and it's not uh you know and and the irony of it all is like people who actually come from those environments don't really want to be in those environments you know they would you know they were they would trade it all in a second definitely yeah so yes yes some of the guys that i met in battle rap like some of the guys that was real street dudes 
that been to jail that was actively still selling drugs and stuff like that, like, they were like, yeah, man, it was like the people like us, you know, we want to be like y'all. And right. I was like, it's, he, and I was like, that's crazy because we want to be like y'all. But he's like, right. so who got it better at the end of the day? Y'all still got it better at the end of the day. Y'all the ones that got, y'all got money, y'all got your parents, y'all got opportunities. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. Yeah. No, and that's, that's a crazy thing. I mean, it's it's like, you know, and I think hip hop is probably one of the first things. I mean, obviously this is probably, this concept has existed before hip hop, but mm-hmm. like being able to take something that's a negative, like being poor um, or, mm-hmm. you know, again, you know, America who has, Regardless of what level you think it is, obviously, there's a lot of racism that's embedded in the culture of America. I mean, I don't think there's any getting away from that. It's, I think, the only thing to really disagree about is maybe the levels of it and how one can maybe succeed and not succeed and all that kind of stuff. That's, that's a whole different conversation. But, um, you know, take making being black cool, like making like, you know, and then then NWA, like you got to remember, like, I feel like the N word before NWA was like uh it was something used against black people and they said no we're gonna make this our thing and we're gonna make this cool and -hmm. like that whole flip of like taking something that's a negative and making it a positive like you know that's that's like embedded in the american dream for one but that's so hip-hop that's like oh yeah hip-hop is definitely hip-hop is uh, i I think yeah hip-hop is an extension of of black culture and then so a lot of times hip-hop gets uh it becomes conflated or confused with, with black culture. It's like, oh, if you're not hip hop as a black person, then you're not even considered black anymore. And it's yeah. like, you know, that, that, that can be problematic in a way. Cause you don't have to be or like hip hop to be, to be black per se, but in a lot right. of the, the larger discussions, you know, that's the way it is. Like even what you were saying about taking the N word and making it, you know, something more positive. It's like that, that did kind of start with NWA for our generation, but there were people like there were a lot of movies and stuff like that. Like for um, uh, Richard Pryor had a stand up. It was called Bicentennial Nigger, and and and, and that's, <laughs> I guess that's what he wanted to be called or whatever. You know. Yeah. So yeah, like that. Like there oh, were man. a lot of um yeah, like like there were a lot of uh, black exploitation films back in the seventies where people yeah. were, I guess they were taking the word to make it you know make it their word basically, and so. NWA just kind of stood on their their shoulders to an extent. Yeah, say. for and, sure. And and and, and it kind of gave it a, a bigger platform. So I, like I would say those older movies and Richard Pryor stuff like that, you know, people in the white community for for the large part didn't really see that. But when NWA came out, they got so big that you know the whole world was seeing what they were doing. You know what yeah. was already being done in the community. Yeah, know? that is that is wild. And who would have thought a song called? Fuck the police. Fuck the police. I, and NWA would be like one of the most known rap songs of all time. Like it's it's like that's here, we are, here we are thirty years later and the, the discussion is still basically the same as it was back then about fuck yeah. the police, police brutality, all that stuff. Let yeah, me crazy. ask you this, because I know and obviously I you know I know you more for political discussions than anything right now. So it would be mm-hmm. I would be remiss not to have some kind of, you know, end this kind of on some political discussion. So, sure. like, the whole, you know, obviously, you got the white privilege topic you brought up, you know, mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter, all this kind of stuff. Um, now, you growing up in the suburbs and stuff, and me and you are pretty much from the same generation. You're only three years older than me, so I feel like generational-wise, our experience really probably isn't that different. 
And I remember being brought up, you know, and which was like the liberal ideology at the time was we are all equal. We are all one. We are all like, there are no races kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so like, you know, and that was kind of like my thought process, right? And I was like, this is, we need to wash like the world from like people isolating themselves into these different categories. Like that's like, like I was like a hundred percent like on that. And I thought that Mm -hmm. was, and and I think those intentions, when that maybe that thought process was constructed was good. Like maybe if we raise a generation to not see race, maybe they will, that will kind of rid the world of racism, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But I think what the problem was is that like when we grew up that the world around us still had these other problems that were existing before and obviously exist after us. Where, where do you, where do you kind of see all that? Hmm. You mean like as far as everybody coming together as a rainbow coalition and we all be yeah, one, I mean, are one you, big happy race? You're obviously like, you know, uh, you know, politically on Facebook, like you're not, um, you're obviously not, I, I, I post stuff that's obviously too extreme for you in, in some <laughs> regards. You seem like a nice in the middle kind of person. And mm-hmm. obviously you probably grew up with a lot of white friends, right? Is that a fair no, actually, like really? my school was. Uh, I didn't really see too many, uh, too many white people growing up, like at all, which is crazy. So it's like, like we grew up in like it was a, a neighborhood where you know I would say my parents, my parents were kind of different. Like the fact that you know I had both my parents in my house. Most people that I grew up with, they they necessarily wasn't weren't doing as good as I was. So I didn't really grow up in the hood, but I didn't really grow up in like you know blue collar. Yeah, I would say blue, blue, blue collarish, but it was mostly, um, I would say, yeah, elementary school through all, all the way through um, high school. There might be, you know, ten white kids at my school at the most. You know, oh wow! Through, and then uh, yeah, so I kind of thought the world was kind of like that in a way, you know. Yeah. And then I joined the Marine Corps, and that was like the culture shock of my life, where I was like where all these white people come from? This is, this is crazy. Like, like I was not used to being the only black guy in a room. It was like, it was, it was, it was, it was so that's crazy. where all these white people from your Facebook come from. <laughs> I would say, uh, uh, yeah, a good amount of them come from the Marine Corps. And then after I got out of the Marine Corps, uh, and I went to college, I met some people in college and I had, um, I kind of had like this little, um, atheist type of kick that I went on where I met a lot of atheist friends on Facebook. So, you know, I guess most atheists were probably white. So I met a lot of white, why do you um, think that why do you think that is because that's i feel like you you, you keep giving me stuff that i want to ask you keep you keep i I try to be interesting you know um hmm i think it's it might be an like an education and 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 more of a culture thing like i think the higher you go up on the educational pole the more you're going to see people who are less religious they might still say that they're christian or this or that but the way they live their lives won't really jive with it. Not as far as them being less moral, but just that, you know, they probably won't go to church or pray as much or stuff like that, you know. So it seems like the more educated a population becomes, uh, the less religious they become, you know. That's that's an interesting point. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah I, what I'm interested in in that, because I, uh, you know, I remember my dad's friend, he was like his best friend growing up. He's, you know, he passed now, but... Um, when he was younger, like this dude was a dude, probably like a, a hippie from the sixties, right? That's like this, mm-hmm. this dude's kind of vibe. Like used to take acid and drive a Harley cross country. Like that wow. was this guy's, this guy's life. Yeah. 
Um, and so he was like super atheist and all that kind of stuff. And then towards the end of his life, he became religious again. And I remember talking to him like, like, I don't get it. Like, how do you already kind of come to the decision that you don't believe in this and then this isn't the thing? And he said, you know, all I can tell you is just wait. And when things get, you know, when, when things get closer, when you get older, you do start becoming more religious. And I always thought that was weird, but I wonder if it's just maybe when you feel like your time is out and you're like, you know, yeah. you're more conscious that this is running out, like, hey, maybe I better mm-hmm. start hoping that there's something else, you know, because oh, yeah. oh, yeah. this ride's almost over. That makes sense. Yeah, some people, they're not really atheists per se. They're just uh, against God. They they might not, they still believe in God, but they got beef with him or something like that. Yeah, so then once you get, you know, 79 years old, and it's like, wait, I might be about, I'm probably going to die in the next 10 years. <laughs> so let me, let, let me squash the beef with God, you know, so I can be, yeah. so I can be good, you know. But if you didn't really, if, if you came to the conclusion that there was no God through scientific means and stuff like that, then, I mean, I don't really see a person coming back around. Sometimes it does. Like, you know, people Do make you- big changes in their lives. Well, for you, though, because what's interesting to me, because I have a, like, you grew up in a very religious household. Yeah. So was yes. part of that rebellion, though, in terms of, like, like you know, I felt oppressed in this environment, and I felt <laughs> like my thoughts were oppressed, so now I'm mm-hmm. kind of, I, I, someone put me up on atheism, and now I'm, like, going mm-hmm. oh, yeah, the opposite definitely. way. Uh, part of it, yeah, because, I mean, like, if we, if we want to get deep into uh, religious discussion, it's like the thing that happened was, you know, when I started, like, you know, uh, looking at what the the concept of hell, the concept of, you know, people not living the way they're supposed to on earth for, you know, less than 80 years and then going to be tortured for all eternity, you know, and it's like, that just seems kind of messed up. So yeah. I started looking, I started doing my research and looking into things and trying to find a way for hell not to exist. And um, so I, yeah, I started researching and looking and the more I researched into, you know, that one topic, I started to see that like the 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 support beams for religion just kind of start to to fall away, and you know I, that that's how I came to basically that conclusion, and you know so like yeah I was in more of a rebellious phase at that time, but now at this point in my life I'm not really rebelling anymore. It's just it's just kind of what I think at this point. I'm not I wouldn't say that I'm a militant you know super atheist. You know yeah. I, I would I would say at this point. I'm kind of res- reserving judgment, you know, like like if I something happens, you know, if I get knocked off my horse on the road to Damascus, then then I'll believe it, you know. But yeah, you, know, you got to show me, you know. Yeah, no, that's because I definitely, of course, went the militant atheist way. So I was, I was very <laughs> like knee deep, like, um, you know, we need to, you know, we need to really force people to not be like I was getting on like the the Soviet Union, like communist Russia, like Stalin <laughs> kind of like, like vibe. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of had an epiphany and I was like, you know, the reasons why I hate organized religion are because, you know, of all the, you know, all the destruction it causes and all the stuff. Like mm-hmm. I'm, you start going that route and it's, anytime you have a belief that, you know, it's kind of, it's like a Captain America quote. I love this quote and it's from Captain America, but I don't care. Um, about <laughs> anytime somebody, Anytime in history someone's tried to stop a war before it happens, you know, ends up, you know, making the, the situation worse kind of thing. That whole quote, I forgot the mm-hmm. exact one. But, and I feel like that's that's kind of part of that. Everyone, like, people may start out with good intentions. Mm-hmm. But then when you want to force the whole world to, like, kind of think a certain way or be a certain way, then 
You're no different than what you were. Yeah, trying you kind to... of made you kind of made another religion, basically. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, I, I exactly. kind of ran into people like that, like when I was on my my militant Shiite atheist type of kick. I yeah. kind of like I was in all these atheist Facebook groups, and it was kind of like these people. It seemed like they just wanted a religion without God, basically. Like like they were setting up meetings where they would go. <laughs> they would get up on Sunday and they would go sit in the same building and listen to some guy in the front <laughs> tell them about how good it was to be an atheist. I'm like, bro, this is church. Like you guys, <laughs> you guys, you guys, are, you guys are meeting up together to talk about how much you don't want to be, uh, how much you hate God. It's like that's the right. Christian fellowship. It's just without the Christian part. You yeah. know, so, yeah, so I kind of stopped <laughs> being in those groups because it's like you guys are just having a religion, basically. Like, yeah. if, you have a sh- if you have a shirt that says I'm atheist and you're, like, evangelizing the people about atheism, it's like, right. it's, you know, you just replace one thing with another, you know. <laughs> so. <laughs> that is pretty just, funny, you know, yeah. I know, right? It's ironic. Yeah. No, I definitely started getting that. I never, I never got invited to any meetings like that, but I know that they <laughs> exist. And, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I just church. I started getting those vibes from people and that definitely like, I was like, ah, yeah, I think these people are just not, a, <laughs> I don't think they're thinking <laughs> this all the way through. And I kind yeah. of right now am more like, you know, I don't believe in a God per se, but I'm kind of like open-minded a little bit. Like, oh, yeah. you know, there's to, to, to have the idea that I a hundred percent know how the universe works and all these different things. Like no, but anybody that would say that is lying. There's no way. That exactly. You can, exactly. you can be definitive about that. Exactly. Um, yeah, man. So, yeah, that's uh, that's wild, man. We've uh, we've definitely covered a lot. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, it was fun. Yeah, absolutely, man. We'll uh, we'll have to we'll have to definitely all the, everybody I'm talking to, man. I definitely want to probably do sequels with, so to speak. Oh yeah, oh yeah, man. Well, like, like like once you get your whole Joe Rogan thing going, yeah, we can come. Yeah, <laughs> come, come do the video. Yeah, that'll, that'll be yeah. dope. Man, you and Troy gotta do a podcast though, man. Oh yeah, they they said like yeah, Troy and yeah, me and Evans. Like people keep saying the the podcast vibe. You know, I'm not yeah. motivated enough to do it myself. But if someone like just yokes me into it, like like here we are now. Yeah, I'm, I'm down for it. You know? Yeah, I mean it's a pretty it's a pretty easy thing. I mean, you're just having a conversation, you get something to record it. Obviously, oh, yeah. I'm uh you know I'm starting out on the ground level playing with different things, but it's uh, especially if you don't have to do it in person where you have to schedule yeah. like people to meet up and all this kind of stuff. Like this is. Probably the easiest way, man. Definitely, so. definitely. Oh yeah, that, that works. Your expert opinion, you know. Hey, yeah. <laughs> as expert as expert as it can be, man. So uh, you know, but, you know, it's like yeah. that's the name of math math podcast, right? What you say? You know, you know, math has the podcast, right? Name math my expert opinion. Yeah. Oh, for real? I didn't know that. That's why. Yeah, it's good. It's called my expert. It it's called my expert opinion. That's what. <laughs> ah. Shout him. Yes, that that was the joke. <laughs> well, over my head, you know, the bars. Hey, yeah, you know, but... <laughs> bars, bars indeed. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, uh, no, it's been a pleasure. We'll definitely have to Likewise. do it again. And uh, you know, I definitely appreciate your time, man. So you have a good night, and uh, we'll be in touch, man. All right. All right, bro. Peace. All right, peace, man. All right.